0: morning, church. How are y'all this morning? So, we decided after last month when we did kind of more of a strip back set that uh, it's something we want to do a lot more frequently because we loved the communal feel and the intimacy that it kind of brought to our worship experience. So we decided to do it again today, but before we get into worship, would y'all stand up, greet some people around you, and
1: then we'll begin to worship together.
0: Now yeah.
1: great to see all of you here this morning and welcome to Shelby Christian Church for those of you online and welcome as well. This week we start a new series called Epic Stories of Genesis and we're going to be talking about the great things from creation to the fall of man to Noah and the Ark and Cain and Abel, the Tower of Babel, some of the great stories of our faith. And it got to me reminded as I was thinking about communion, I looked up and saw, what is the definition of communion? Well, communion means to have an intimate, intimate relationship with somebody on a spiritual or mental level. And I thought about that and I thought about how Adam, after God created Adam, Adam walked in the garden with God. He was in true communion with God. He could speak to God, and God would immediately answer him. That was the ultimate communion. And I know this week was the week where we have remembered 9-11. And I, I, like you all know, I'm a big history buff. And I was watching a lot of those different shows this week on 9-11. And one of the things that struck me was how often those people that were in those buildings when those planes hit... If they immediately decided, I'm getting out of here, most of them made it out. But there was so much indecision. Should I leave? Should I go? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? And for those that said, I'm getting out, I'm not waiting, they made it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you will have a choice before you leave here this morning, whether or not to take the road that leads to salvation or you can stay behind and you will end up in the flames of hell. That is your choice this morning. Adam had his choice. He could follow God and walk with God and be there with God. And God said, you can do whatever you want. Just don't eat of this tree. But that's what Adam went and did. Jesus died on the cross and was rose again in order that we could have communion with God again. So your decision this morning is, do I follow Jesus or not? So when you come to this table this morning, remember all that he did for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you this morning, Lord, and we just lift up your name. You are the holy, gracious, wonderful God, and you alone are worthy to be worshipped. And this morning, Father, we lift up to you this church, and we pray that your spirit would just be prevalent and just flow through this place and through everyone here. Father, I pray for Ethan and the worship team that you would just continue to anoint them and anoint Dave as he comes this morning and speaks to us. Father, we know that your love for us is so great. And Father, we know that there's nothing we can do that will keep us from your love. Help us, Father, to follow you and to do what is right. We ask in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
0: As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory
2: in the fall every year of your life. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's where we are, so just so nobody panics, uh, the voice and the cough is hay fever and allergies, all right, uh, just so nobody panics this morning. Hey, we're starting, like Bobby said, this new series today, and I just got to tell you today, uh, if you got a Bible, open it up to the very first page, that's where we're at, uh, and if you didn't bring one, there should be some underneath some of the seats. Uh, we're on page one, Genesis one. OK, if you have any kind of pad or notepad or just a phone that you can take notes on, I got to tell you, this is going to be one of the most kind of teaching messages that I've given in a long time, as opposed to what I consider a preaching message, because we just want to dig in. We just want to dig in when uh, Bobby told you this series is we're calling it epic when you hear the word epic what comes to your mind what do you think of there's different ways that the word can be used one is as a noun and the word originally meant and I looked this up a long poem that tells a story often about the heroic or legendary deeds of certain individuals or nations. So think from, from your school days, think the Iliad, the, the Odyssey, Paradise Lost, stories like that, that would have been considered epics. The word came to refer later to any saga from history, a, a story that spans generations. Think, if you would, about Alex Haley and roots from the 1970s, actually put out in 1970s about something much earlier than that it it followed the life of Kunta Kinte an African man from the 18th century who was captured uh, by slave traders and brought to America it's considered an epic it told the story of his uh, descendants through the next seven generations and this mini-series was an epic Now today you often hear epic used as an adjective, which is a word that describes a a noun and everything from epic films, epic films like Ben Hur or Lord of the Rings or Schindler's List to epic adventures like hiking the Appalachian Trail or climbing Mount Everest. And we use the word to describe a lot of things like uh, in sports that epic dunk that happened the other day or that epic song that came out or that epic hamburger I had over the weekend it means something spectacular something that's so mind-blowing world-changing that it almost seems too good or in some cases too bad to be true And and so as we start this series called Epic, we're going to be looking at some of the narratives. Bobby shared them with you. Narratives in the early chapters of Genesis. Because Genesis, the, the name itself means beginnings. And so we're going to see everything from the beginning of the universe to the beginning of human. The human race, the first man and first woman, the original sin, the first murder to the way that God destroyed the earth and then started over. These epic stories, but they're not epic. They're not epic in the sense of a legend. They're history. They're history-changing, they're life-changing stories that are important for us to deal with. So it all starts, and I kind of gave you a hint about this last week, it all starts with the very first four words on page one in your Bibles. Look at those first four words. In the beginning, God. Do you realize that that's the original statement of faith in history? In the beginning, God. Now, one verse that we're told that there, there was a beginning, that, that God was there in that beginning, and that there was a designer or creator of the universe. Now, it's, I understand as soon as you start talking about the beginning of the universe, there's all kinds of questions that can come pouring in. Maybe you have those questions. Maybe if you watch it online, have those questions. I'll guarantee you, a lot of your friends have these questions did it all start with a big bang how did life originate do we have a young earth or an old earth is there even life on other planets did humans evolve from some lower life form was there really a worldwide flood noah's ark all those animals what happened to the dinosaurs what do we know about that in fact my friend mark shared a funny cartoon that he had seen about two dinosaurs that are standing on a beach looking out into the water on the ark and he said i told you we should have been here earlier you know that's i don't know what happened to them here's the deal there are a lot of answers to some epic questions about these epic events but there's just a lot of questions fully here's here's why it's difficult Because a fully, fully answered question becomes fact, right? If I can, in every way possible, give you the evidence and say, here is exactly what happened in a situation, whether it's here on earth, whatever it might be, then it's fact, right? But if there's still part of it that we don't understand, it's what? It's faith, And it's the difference in faith. In fact, and those two worlds don't have to collide. Those two worlds can come together. Those worlds can come together. A group of facts can lead to faith. But complete facts, complete facts requires no faith. God created the heavens and the earth. That's what follows up in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When it comes to how this all got here, there's basically only two options that are really ever discussed. Evolution, over billions and billions of years, or an all-powerful God who spoke the world into existence. Now, there's, there's all kinds of sub-options. I get it, and different, different theories under each of those options. But it basically basically comes down to evolution or intellectual design and the bottom line that I choose to believe is that God's fingerprints are all over this world hopefully we're going to be able to see some of that clearly this morning there are those that say science and religion operate in two totally separate realms and so this really doesn't matter there are all kinds of debates that say religion is theoretical and only about morality and that science is only about facts but christianity guys christianity is not just an issue of morality christianity by its very name christian christ follower that makes it all about a relationship a relationship with jesus christ that determines our individual destinies john three sixteen, right the most well-known verse in all the bible says that god so loved the world that he gave his only son but those words Those words that many of us, many even in a non fully believing world, cling to and can quote that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Those words mean nothing if Genesis 1 1 is a made up hoax. In fact, it falls into the question, it causes us to question everything that is written after those four words. See, the theory of evolution contradicts those first words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then at the end of every day of creation, and if you take the time to read all through Genesis 1, and you may even let your eyes scan as we're talking this morning. If you've got a Bible, a lot of them now separated into sections by each day. If you look at the creation, at the end of every day, God looked at what had happened and what had been done that day and said, that's good. Until he got to the sixth day and he created man and he got to the end of that. And he said, oh, that's very good. That That's very good. There are those that believe God started the process and then let it evolve over eons of time. The problem there is that it denies much of the Bible, and either it's the inspired Word of God or it's not. That may be the wrestle that you're having this morning. Much of the discussion starts with the debate over the length of days. Now, the original Hebrew, when it talks about these six days, the original Hebrew text leaves some room for interpretation. But guys, listen, whether it was six 24-hour days... Six periods of time, thousands of years, whatever it might be, or six nanoseconds. The Creator, omnipotent, omniscient, almighty God could speak the world into existence in just a second. Professor Reuben Bullard said, when God created the world, He used miracles. He used process. If he used more miracle than process, uh, then if he used more miracle, he used less process. If he used less miracles, then he used more process. We don't know how much of each he used, but we know that when God created the world, he used both miracles spoken into existence and process, let it, let it exist. And God's fingerprints are all over the world. I want you to take just a moment right now. And 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 if you are already a believer, this you'll you'll go right through this. If if you're struggling to believe in a God of creation, stay with me and I think you can still do this exercise. I want you to stop and just think about the things that you have seen this week that are Really almost impossible to explain outside of an intellectual design. Anybody seen a baby this week? Anybody seen the beautiful blue sky this week? Anybody watched as animals have run around and interacted with creation? Maybe you were somewhere this week when you got caught in a downpour of rain and then the sun came out and you saw a rainbow. There are so many things that we, maybe, I don't know, I don't know of anybody, but have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Have you ever been to some of those beautiful places in the world that you just look at? Wow. Wow. God's fingerprints are all over this world. Part of this discussion about God being the creator in the beginning God is the debate between microevolution versus macroevolution. Of course, there has been transformation over time, and God likely created one maple tree. And then due to pollinization and other environmental factors over the years, we now have sugar maples and red maples and all kinds of other maples. God likely created one kind of dog. And through selective breeding and everything, we now have St. Bernard's and we've got poodles. See, that's that would be microevolution within a species. Macroevolution says that all living things evolve from one common ancestor, a single celled organism. I don't know. I wrestle with that. In fact, I struggle with that greatly. Listen to what Genesis 111 says. Genesis 11 says God said Himself let the land sprout with vegetation every sort of seed-bearing plant and the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit these seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came and it happened you see god spoke it and it happened Then look down, let your eyes go down to verse 24. God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, same animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. Over and over again, the Bible says that the plants and the animals reproduced after their kind. Now that's either true or it isn't true. And the thought that there was one small cell that drew into something else and something else and became something else that eventually became us. Uh, if we believe we're here by accident, uh, this is true. If we really just believe we're here by accident, does anything else really matter? I don't see how it does. If we're just accidentally here, nothing else really matters 40 years ago josh mcdowell was a writer released a book called evidence that demands a verdict it's a big thick book i mean it's great but if you want to get into it it's like okay get ready to go to college a little bit but it's it's got great resources because he really wanted to dig into this whole thing of is the bible true and then a few years later a couple decades later A guy named Lee Strobel that I've mentioned before. We started writing books because he had been an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, who was a total atheist, had no belief, in fact, kind of despised the whole idea of Christianity. So did his wife. And and then things happened and she was invited to a church service in Chicago and she went and she went again. And then she started doing Bible study with some ladies, and before long, she gave her life to Christ. Lee Strobel, this investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune who specialized in some of the big crimes of the Chicago area, made it his mission to prove that everything that she had bought into was a lie. And some of you have seen the movie or read the book, A Case for Christ, where he outlines how he spent days and weeks and months digging and digging and using all his investigative skills and and, and doing everything he could to disprove The factuality of the Bible only to, in a matter of months, come to the very same conclusion that his wife and millions of others have come to that the Bible's true and that Jesus did die for our sins. And so Lee Strobel has written a series of books that all start with the case for. He started with the case for faith and the case for Christ. And he's written a book called The Case for the Creator. And I would encourage you, if you want to dig into any of this, those are books you need to get your hands on. These books and many others, they're so powerful because they were written by men who were skeptical. They were written by men who started their investigation not believing who started their investigation trying to do, use all their skills to disprove God, the creator God, only to come to the conclusion that it was the only thing that made sense. And they wrote the books for others who wrestled with the same concerns. So with all the testimony being given by the world against the concept of intellectual design, because there is a part of the world that, that would tell you that's crazy, with all the evidence that they're writing and things, are we committing, somehow committing intellectual suicide if we believe it? I want to spend the rest of the morning, the rest of our time this morning, uh, giving you some reasons that I choose to believe in creation by intelligent design. And then you got to make your own choice. Whether you're here or you're watching on, you've got to come to your own conclusion because it is a very personal decision. Before we run through these six things, please understand that the next few minutes, we've got just another few minutes. And it doesn't allow the deep dive that we need to take. And so that's why I wanted to share some of those resources. So if you do have questions, you can work through some things on your own. But here real quick, here's six reasons that I believe intelligent design is the only thing that makes sense. The first one is this. And I realize that if you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm not even really sure I believe the Bible or I don't believe the Bible, then my first reason you're going to struggle with, because the first reason is the Bible affirms intelligent design. And I'm not talking about just this first chapter. I'm talking about the whole Bible. Here's what the Bible says about God's creation throughout all of its pages. Genesis 1, 27, not only said that God created the heavens and the earth, He said he created man in his own image. Uh, Jeremiah 32, the prophet said, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand. Nothing is too hard for you. There's nothing that our God can't do. I think I heard that this morning somewhere. Psalm 19. It says the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Then Jesus in Matthew chapter nineteen said said this to the people, said from the beginning God made them male and female. In Mark thirteen, nineteen he proclaimed that God created the world if you're a history buff like bobby if you remember studying in school you may remember studying the 1926 scopes trial that took place in dayton tennessee a guy named clarence darrow debated william jennings bryan at that time at the time of the trial and what precipitated the trial was that evolution evolutionary theory was not allowed to be taught in school and ironically darrow's argument was for education to be and get this open-minded and allow both evolution and creationism to be taught and allow students to make their own intelligent decisions how interesting because today The tables have flipped completely. And in many places, teachers aren't even allowed to mention creationism as an option. Why would it be that a culture has flipped so much in a little less than 100 years? Why is a culture that is so determined to be tolerant, totally intolerant when it comes to the concept of creation? could it be because mocking the idea of intelligent design creates a diversion that prohibits people from noticing the flaws in the theory of evolution as opposed to the realities of intelligent design the second reason that i choose to believe is that scientific evidence suggests a beginning to the universe. Carl Sagan, a very famous atheist, in fact, did more to destroy people's thought process of Christianity than anybody that I can think of. Carl Sagan said, A universe that is infinitely old requires no creator. Nature is all that is, was, or will be. Hmm. But most scientific scholars acknowledge that the universe had a starting point, it's expanding outward, and it's winding down. Hmm. If it's winding down, wouldn't it have had to have wound up and started? And so their conclusion from the very beginning is often a big bang. Hmm. Gee. I wonder, what if that Big Bang was God speaking it into existence? But the Big Bang is is actually bad news for evolutionists. They really don't know it. Those that want to claim the Ebion evolutionists and propose a Big Bang theory because it forces them to deal with the reality of a beginning. They just define it differently but it goes against their belief that there was no real beginning. Either there was or there wasn't. Scientific evidence suggests over and over. In fact, you know how many scientists have become some of the biggest proponents of Christianity based on their research, based on the evidence that they have found, based on seeing the things that they went to school years and years and years? Someone very close to me that... Is a scientist, an engineer, and after experiencing the Grand Canyon, said, there is no doubt that this was all done by intelligent design. Number three, third reason I believe. Evolution cannot adequately explain the origin of life. Now, this is kind of a silly story, but stay with me. I think it'll make sense to you. It's a made-up story, but just stay with me. One day there was a scientist that was face-to-face with God and said, you know, okay, I'm, I figured I can do anything you can do. Really? Yeah, I can do anything you can do. And so God reached down and grabbed some dirt and molded it and rubbed it together and, and, and made a man. And then looked at the scientist just like no problem, and reached down to pick up some dirt. And God said, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Get your own dirt. Had to come from somewhere. Had to come from somewhere. Evolution doesn't adequately explain the origin of life. Well, on one hand, we're told that we evolved from monkeys. Well, okay. Where did the monkeys come from? Well, the answer, some prehistoric goo led to a single cell living organism that led to a fish, that led to an amphibian, that led to a mammal, that led to a monkey, that led to man. Now, here, if you say, if you say that a frog turned into a prince in an instant, it's labeled a fairy tale. But if you say a frog turned into a man over a period of years, it's considered science. Can evolution realistically explain the existence of life? Lee Strobel suggests that the origin of life itself is the Achilles heel for evolution. It had to begin. Number four, many, many brilliant scientists, as we kind of alluded to a moment ago, believe and intelligent design Uh, Francis Collins wrote a book called The Language of God back in 1916 Uh, a group of researchers asked biologists and physicists and mathematicians if they believed in a God who actively communicates with humanity and and to whom one can pray and expect to receive an answer in 1916 about 40% of those scientists, biologists physicists, mathematicians answered yes 1997 the exact same survey was repeated and really to the surprise of the researchers the percentage was nearly identical now that still leaves a wide margin of those who didn't believe but 40 percent is a significant number to say that I believe and for others to say no it can't be Dr. Harold Urey, a Nobel Prize winner for his research in chemistry, wrote about the impossibility of evolution. This is a Nobel Prize winner. And yet admitted that he still believes in it because the alternative of a divine creator is totally unacceptable to him. But then here's what he said. He wrote this. All of us who study the origin of life... That the more, and find that the more we look into it, the more we feel that life is too complex to have evolved anywhere. Now, did you understand all of that? This man who said that he just can't believe in creation because he can't believe in a divine creator. He also said I, evolution doesn't make sense. There had to be a beginning. We had to get here somehow. This all didn't just like, it doesn't make sense. He admits that evolution is impossible to believe, yet it's taught as truth because of the stubborn refusal to consider the alternative an almighty, omnipotent God. Fifth reason <laughs> this is huge. Fossil evidence does not support evolution if evolution is true why is there so little fossil evidence of any transformational or transitional forms if evolution is true there should be some transitional forms shouldn't there be hundreds of missing links between a fish and a mammal between a frog and a dog, between a horse and a cow, if not still living at least fossil records. Charles Darwin admitted in his own book, The Origin of Species, that the lack of fossils demonstrating uh, immediate links is, quote, this is Darwin, the most obvious and gravest objection which can be used against the theory of evolution. He admitted his own flaws. Now, I know, and some of you probably had these. I know that you've seen the fish emblems on the back of cars. I mean, you, might, you may you maybe to have one, or you may have it tattooed somewhere, or, or a na- uh, bracelet or necklace. And, and that usually stands, it's a symbol that stands for Christianity. Because the early believers used the sign of the fish as a secret symbol during times of persecution to know they were in the right place have you notice, however though that there are some fish emblems that are designed like the christian symbol but they got little feet on them and darwin inside of them and what those drivers don't realize is how their fish symbol actually gives credibility to the belief in biblical creation because show me a fish with feet that creature doesn't exist. Now you might say it's, well, it's an alligator. No, it's not a fish. It's a different animal. There's an overwhelming lack of fossil evidence or transitional forms we'd expect if all life came from this one common single cell ancestor. And then finally, the sixth reason, and I realize we're flying through these. Is that intricate design demands a designer? Now, in just a second, don't, don't put it up yet, all right? In just a second, there's going to be a picture that's going to show up on the screen. And, and I, I, I want you to look, take, take your time very carefully, and if you look at just the right angle at this picture, you might be able to see some faces, okay? Give us the picture. Find them, find the faces. Now, ironically, I also have a picture of the backside of Mount Rushmore that you, that's the other side. <laughs> here, here, here's what we're talking about, guys. Nobody in their right mind would look at Mount Rushmore and say, what an incredible Coincidence. It almost looks like people up there. Now, it's obvious there was a sculptor. Now, here, I want you to do something for me. Everybody everybody's participating in this, okay? I want everyone to raise your right hand. Right, check the person next to you, make sure they got right, okay? All right, now I want you to lower your right hand and hold it in front of you like this. And I want you to start to wiggle your fingers. Now make a fist. Now make the peace symbol. Okay. How did you do all of that? I didn't see anybody take their left hand and make their right hand move. Move. But somehow, when I said, raise your right hand, your mind heard what I said, your mind processed what I said, and you, your mind told your right hand, raise up, and you did this. And then I said, put it down, and your mind heard what I said and processed what I said, and you brought it down, and you did this. And then you wiggled your fingers because your mind told your hand to do that, and then you made a peace symbol because your mind told your hand to do that. That doesn't just happen. That's incredible design. The thing, every, the things that we've done this morning the things that you have already done before you ever left your house this morning, as you drove here, as you worshipped here, as you listened here, those things are amazing. In fact, those things and the intricate, intelligent design that it takes for you to do this is more amazing than anything that vehicle you drove here this morning will do. Because it's all packed in here. That's incredible. It doesn't happen by accident. The universe is staggering in its design. From the order displayed in outer space to uh, the process of photosynthesis to the atmosphere which surrounds the earth, to the incredible variety of plants and animals, to the intricate balance of nature. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. He said, Ever since the world was created, people have seen earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse... For not knowing God. Mm. Let's wrap this all up. One more, two more science things for you. The second law of thermodynamics, also known as the law of entropy, verifies that in the natural world, everything moves from organization to disorganization. Nature Nature doesn't become more organized, more complex. The universe tends toward disintegration. In in fact, disorganization cannot lead to organization without some intelligent reversal. In the beginning, it was God who created the heavens and the earth. It's epic. His fingerprints are everywhere. The intricate design demands a designer. We just celebrated, not celebrated, we just memorialized what happened 20 years ago yesterday that Bobby referenced. Those of us over the age of 20 can, for the most part, remember exactly where we were. I was sitting in my office over in the other building, JD called me on the phone and said, find a TV quick. And just as I walked to Jason's office, the second plane hit. And we watched in horror. And so whether you have experienced being in a warlike situation firsthand or vicariously you saw the events that day, we know firsthand that chaotic explosion does not lead to anything beautiful. It's destructive. We've covered a lot of stuff today. But as I've said several times, I believe the core of my being, that God's fingerprints are all over this world. So this invitation time, this decision time, let's call it that, might be a little different Today. Because I've got a couple prayers. First of all, my prayer is that as we sing and worship and are reminded that if you're already on board with those first four words of Scripture, in the beginning, God... That you'll keep living that out through applying the rest of Scripture to your life. And if you've never accepted Jesus, then you will, you will consider doing that. You'll make that decision. But that you'll carry out all of Scripture. Because many of us have accepted Jesus, but we're not really carrying out Scripture. And the second thing is, if you're here today and you're still skeptical about all this i just pray that you'll keep digging i just pray that you'll keep digging because i promise you if you get past those first four words in the beginning god man the stuff that comes after it will change your life will make your life have meaning In a chaotic, out-of-control world, that is where meaning is found. God that so loved the world, that not only did he create it, but later he would send his son to die for those that need him. Would you guys stand with me? You may just need to stand quietly with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Worship. You may need to walk down to the front and talk to Jason or Bobby or somebody that can kind of pray with you or help lead you to accepting Christ. You may just need to stand there and wrestle with God. stop by the i'm new wall out in the lobby Uh, please stop out there brett and his team are out there and they have a gift for you uh and we just love to welcome you a couple things that are coming up uh, on a week from tomorrow a week from tomorrow monday september 20th is the pathways for this month which is pathways is our on-ramp to uh, salvation membership uh, to discipleship disciple making to involve and stewardship, all the things that we are as a church, steps one, two, and three. You can sign up for that back in the Next Step room which is right through those doors back there. Uh, And then that following Saturday night, Saturday, September 25th, uh, there is a marriage date night, uh, and it'll be over in the gym and a meal and speaker and just some fun stuff to do over there, some games. Uh, You can sign up for that back at the table at the sign-up wall right back in here. Uh, And so that's September 25th. And then finally, we're back into our regular fall uh, Wednesday night program programming and we have a couple of really great financial opportunities for you to learn more about get your finances in order and spiritual order if you are just like upside down have had life circumstances that you've lost everything uh jeremy hayden's going to be teaching a class called financial recovery kind of an extension of our recovery ministry but if, if you're kind of further along and next step but just need to kind of like manage your finances in a Christian God honoring way then we are part of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and uh, Pat and Cindy Murphy lead that class on Wednesday nights uh, at 630 and it meets in the seminar room right by, right behind that wall there and so if you want to just come check it out this week and see what it is talk to Pat and Cindy find out some more information or Jeremy's class will actually start the following Wednesday uh, at 8 o'clock right after other programming at from eight to nine uh, will be those. Those are two great options to help you grow and help you get to a good place in life. I just want to thank you guys for being here today. Have an awesome week. Let's love God and love people. Let's get out of here and go change the world. See you guys.